Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Friday evening where we continue our reflections into the Gospel of Mark. Yes, we are still in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And isn't it striking that this Gospel that is such a fast-paced narrative is one that would appear to be so slow, because here we are in the opening chapter uh, six weeks later. Um, Don't be fooled. This is a fast-paced narrative, but because it is so rich, the Church, in her wisdom, in her wisdom, sees it fit that we pause and take stock into the beauty of the Word of God the Word on fire. So this is what we're about here this evening. This is what we're about here every Friday evening, that we do take stock of the wonder and the beauty of God as it comes to us in divine revelation. And that being said, it is Friday, and uh, it is the second or third Friday since I've last had Debbie Resolves with me, so she is back with me this evening. And as always, Debbie, great to have you with me. Always great to be here. So, Debbie, this sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time, again, has us still in the opening chapter of the Gospel of Mark. One of the things that we've been developing, not only (laughs) focusing in on why it's a fast-paced narrative, but also this word way, okay? It came up in in the second or third verse as uh, the Old Testament was being quoted, and of course we have the Baptist preparing the way. Well, what is the Greek word for way? Uh, the Greek word is odos. Well, what does that sound like? Uh, but exodos. What is exodos? The way out. What Mark wants us to see, and certainly uh, what Jesus is after, is for us to see that this isn't about a way out of political oppression, but a way out of our slavery to sin. Okay, so there is a new exodos. There is a new way out. So when John the Baptist is talking about repentance, this metanoia, this turning towards Jesus Christ, this new direction, this new way, what we are made to see ultimately again is that this is a new exodus, and this new exodus is about relationship, is about the encounter. So John, uh, rather Mark, wastes no time in establishing this great theme alongside of the way, uh, this theme of the encounter, and this is what we have with today's Gospel, Mark 1, verses 40 to 45, this wonderful encounter between our Lord and the leper. And before we get into the Gospel, Debbie, we do have to (laughs) pull back a little bit and appreciate uh, the importance of what's going on in the first century. We have a tendency today to hear a Gospel and say to ourselves, ah, we've heard that before, and not really think about how the first century reader would have been hearing these words for the first time. Mm -hmm. And Quite frankly, it's tragic, and I challenge myself in saying that because I've done the same thing, and, and I remind myself every time I go to read Scripture, read it for the first time. Read it with a, a renewed sense of vigor. Get into the mind of the author. Get into the mind of the audience. And when you do that, Debbie, the Word of God will come to life. We, we say the Word on fire, faith on fire. What do we intend to mean when we say that? Well, <laughs> those words 
have life-giving power. Life-giving power. If Jesus Christ gave the Holy Spirit in the form of fire to establish his church in Pentecost, we are made to see that fire is life-giving. And yes, this is one of the great paradoxes of our faith, but this is what lies at the heart of our faith, the Word of God on fire. And so we, yeah, we pause and we get into the mind of the author, we get into the mind of the audience, and we appreciate what was going on then. And in many ways, Debbie, for this evening's gospel, if there's any place to start in the world of historical context and what is in the mind of both the author and the audience, it would be really good to, to best understand what's going on with this leper and what leprosy was in the first century. You know, there's a um, beautiful reference in Leviticus that gives sheds a great light. It's going to be our first reading this coming week. And boy, did it hit me personally. Hmm. Um, you guys know that I work in a dermatology office, and uh, boy, is this dermatological, mm-hmm, this whole mm-hmm. reading. So we have in Leviticus 13, the Lord is speaking to Moses and Aaron. He says, if someone has on his skin a scab or a pustule or a blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought before Aaron the priest or one of the other priests. And if the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head, dot, dot, dot. And then he shall dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. Hmm. Well, I got to thinking about this. I'm thinking how many people we saw in clinic today, maybe 30. I don't think we saw a person without a scab, a pustule, or a blotch Mm -hmm. today, Joe. Mm -hmm. So this leper is you and I. Mm Mm-hmm. It's what Mark wants us to see. Absolutely. you and I Mm -hmm. with the stain of leprosy, which is sin for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and (laughs) in light of what you were just talking about, Debbie, uh, if you were a leper 2,000 years ago and someone was coming towards you Mm -hmm. and they didn't know you were a leper, what did you have to to yell, to scream? Unclean, unclean, right? right? I mean, think about that. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it wrenches my heart, actually. You talk about being ostracized from a yeah. community. As it stands, those who suffer from any kind of skin disease or skin ailment, they are going to be ostracized, especially today, uh, a day which all but worships skin. Uh, but that's a whole other topic, a whole, mm-hmm. whole other night. Um, I mean, to say unclean, unclean, this is part of appreciating, Debbie, the backdrop of these five, six verses uh, that we have this evening to really get into the radical nature of what Jesus Christ is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just not the radical nature of what Jesus Christ is doing, but as we'll read here, the radical nature of what the leper does. Oh, I mean, it's so, it's so striking, so striking. So with that, maybe, Debbie, let us go ahead and jump into the, into the gospel. All righty. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad 
so that it was impossible for Jesus to hmm. enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. Amen. Boy, for so few verses, mm. Debbie, there is so much. Those words, if you will. When I was first reading this gospel, I could not get past that phrase, if you will it. Mm-hmm. If you will, what great faith. Is this not the faith oh. of the hemorrhaging woman? Is this not the yeah. faith of the Roman centurion? These people were outside of the covenant relationship with God. This yep. appeal to Christ was that of, of the Israelite to God. This was unseen, unheard of. If you will it, what absolute faith, Debbie, what absolute trust. If you will it, here we have a man, a leper, who teaches us how to pray. Uh, How many of us mm -hmm. go to God in our prayer and say, if you will it? Not many. Debbie, I know I don't do it enough. And I think really, when push comes to shove, this is why that verse struck me. Those words struck me, if you will it. We pray and we request stuff from God. Sure. But do we always listen to God? Do we always say, if you will it? And of course, Jesus, so moved by this man's faith, so moved by this man's courage. Because again, consider what you just read, Debbie, from the book of Leviticus. It was so outside the norm. If you were unclean, if you were a leper, you had no place, no place in liturgical life. And it's to remember, Jesus Christ himself is high priest. And according to the law of Moses, he had no place being at the master's feet. But this is what is radically new about the new covenant church, about the new dispensation of grace, about the new exodus. And what were those words that we read from the gospel of Mark? What does Mark tell us? He was moved with pity. Another great verse, another very moving verse. Uh, The Greek word for pity translates Uh, one of the Old Testament words for mercy. In the Old Testament, you have uh, two words for mercy, hased, that blood bond, covenant love, and rahamim, that really translates in its root the womb of God, the core of God, the innermost being of God. This word pity speaks to the same thing. It literally translates the innards or the guts. It is a word that evokes this kind of unity between the organs and the heart. Hence, you can appreciate the inner core. Uh, We are made to see this uh, word speak to the seat of the affection of God. This is where we get the word compassion, right? Uh, Moved with pity. This word pity translates the Old Testament vision of mercy most beautifully, Debbie. What does the word itself mercy mean? Misericordia, right? When the heart is so moved at the sight of what? Misery, misericordia. God's love is attracted by misery. That seems so odd to us. (laughs) We look at misery and we run the other way. God looks at misery and he's drawn to it. Why is he drawn to it? Well, because God is love. Mm -hmm. God is mercy. As John Paul II has reminded us, Mm -hmm. mercy is the chief attribute of God, God's second name. And so he runs to it. So it is right. The incarnation of mercy is moved with pity, deeply moved by this man's faith. So beautiful. Um, I, as I was researching a little bit about the leprosy thing, and I shared with you the, how personal it was for me mm. because I struggle with eczema and I have all kinds of skin issues. And, and something jumped out at me as I was looking. Unclean, when they would yell unclean, that means they were 
these people were unfit for worship. It was like someone took a dagger in me. Mm. Un, you are unfit to worship. So you have this leper who thinks he's unfit to even be within a community. He's unfit to worship God. He's unfit. Yet, how did he find Christ? Mm-hmm. How did he know he was in town? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a phone, doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't have buddies mm-hmm. going, hey, we're going to go down and see Jesus. You want to come with us? He sought him. He sought Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then when he found him, he didn't stay on the fringe like they would have liked him to. Yep. He came right up to him, came right up to him and knelt down and begged and then said, if you will it. The whole, the whole scene, if you take it in its entirety, just teaches us so much. Mm. How mm. much do we, do we risk to, to seek Jesus mm-hmm. for our own healing? Or do we lick those wounds of, of our own sin? Or do we seek him? Do we seek that healing? Big difference. Yeah, there is. Amen to that, Debbie. And, you know, as you were talking there about being worthy, I was in a conversation last night, and someone gave me a call, Debbie, and uh, we were talking about God's love, and they just didn't feel that they were worthy. No one is worthy. All is gift. All is grace. All is unmerited goodness. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Of course, this leper is unworthy. No one is worthy. Uh, But this is what uh, is so striking about this gospel, because he teaches us, even out of our unworthiness, we are children of God, and we have the right to go to him as children of God. Mindful of that great passage that comes to us from Romans eight fifteen, where Christ says to us, I have not given you a spirit of slavery in which you fall back into fear, but the spirit of adoption in which I now give to you to cry, Abba, Father, and to beg for his mercy, Yes, to beg for his mercy, and in doing so, receive God's love. I could never say it enough. When you talk about God's love, we have to put this in the context, Debbie, of what is absolute and unchanging. Someone was recently asked, could have Jesus saved the world with a drop of blood? Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, yes, Yes. he could do whatever he wants to do. Mm -hmm. But why didn't he just give a drop of his blood? Because he had so much more to give. He had, if the human body has six quarts of blood, he had six quarts of blood. So he pours out all of his blood. Mm-hmm. We talk about love. It's going to be Valentine's Day tomorrow, Debbie. And we use the word gushing. Oh, I was gushing for him or for her. Mm-hmm. Our Lord was gushing for mankind. Absolutely. And that blood came gushing out. This is the kind of absolute love. And you put this in context, especially with the leper. There is nothing so great that we can do that is going to have God loving, loving us anymore. There is nothing so tragic that we can do that is going to have God loving us any less. No, God is love. And that love incarnate teaches us in turn how to love, how to share in this love, how to be merciful. I mean, to be merciful is a costly gig, Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> in the context of arithmetic, Fulton Sheen plays around with, with this a little bit. It's a negative, yet we are blessed if we are merciful. Again, God is paradoxical. Gold suddenly becomes a plus. This is the stuff of God's arithmetic. So in this gospel, we are made to see that Jesus Christ, the incarnation of love, the incarnation of mercy, the incarnation of the new encounter, the new exodus, 
that yes, we are unworthy. We are unworthy, and we need to be mindful of our sin, our disobedience to God, the ways in which we break our Father's heart. And in doing so, repent. Repent and believe. And in that repentance, you will discover the new exodus, the new way out, which is, of course, relationship with God. Now, this touch, mm-hmm. Debbie, you know, God entered into human history so as to what? Be able to touch us. Yes. How moving is that verse? He stretched out his hand and he touched him. A leper who's never known touch, right? right? The dynamism, the forcefulness, the power behind just not anyone's touch, if he's never known touch, Debbie, but perfect touch. Touch from the incarnation of mercy, love, yes, but also beauty. How that must have just overwhelmed him. It's no wonder he could not contain himself. That's just what I was going to say. Yeah, How can I, you contain that? When someone takes your breath away, you want to tell everyone about it. To suffer from this disease that he was suffering from, to experience that kind of healing, mm-hmm. and then to be told all but the impossible. Yeah. Right? Okay, we understand Christ didn't want to be overwhelmed. I mean, there's many theological discussions on the many reasons why he told these people who he just healed and cured not to tell the people about him. But man, I understand why. I understand why. Out from this wonderful encounter, does he go forth and talk about uh, what just happened? How can you not? How can you not? And he had to have been known in the area, most likely. He had to beg for food because this leprosy label is a death sentence for Mm -hmm. most people. Mm -hmm. You know, they died of starvation. Uh, They you know, died of exposure. They were cast away from their community that should be loving them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're cast away, yes. right? So Jesus leads by example once again. And it reminded me of Pope Francis when he kissed that deformed man. Yeah, I just was taken to this gospel. I thought that's what Jesus would have done. Yep. He yep. would have touched him. He would have loved him. And you can imagine what that meant to that man, having Pope Francis do it, how much more? Yeah, how do you contain that? How do you contain that joy? And that's what it was. Mm. Uncontainable joy. Yeah. Um, that's what joy is. Yeah, joy itself is... Un, is yeah, you, you, you can't, can't keep it in. No, you can't. You can't. In. As you're talking about Pope Francis there, Debbie, I'm really struck by something. You know, uh, one of the great stories that comes from the life of St. Francis of Assisi is when he was a young man, and really, it was it was his own metanoia, what was his encounter with the leper. He was disgusted by the leper. He was very open and honest about it. And he had a mano y mano with God. And I mean, God invaded his soul. He kissed the wound, Debbie. Yeah. See, Pope Francis, what did he do? He just didn't uh, lightly touch him. No. no, he cupped his whole head and he embraced him. Mm-hmm. So when our Lord reaches out his hand and touches him, Yes, he's healing him. Yes, he's curing him. But that touch mm-hmm. is more than just a, a prick, if you will. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that it was an embrace. It was a cupping of the face. It was a kissing of the wound. Mm-hmm. Because this is the incarnation of perfect love, of perfect mercy. Mm-hmm. This is so much more when you really start to think about it. And what I love about St. Francis of Assisi, and even Pope Francis has spoken to this before when, 
when he was a young priest coming across this for the first time and how it shook him up inside. Mm-hmm. He had his own conversion. Yeah. And that uh, we have to be real with this. We have to be real with what we are disgusted by. Mm-hmm. Because you talked about it, Debbie. We have our own leprosy. Absolutely. We are all lepers. Yes. And God wants us to be thinking about this. And we are all disgusted by certain things that we really shouldn't be disgusted by. You know, I'm, I'm up at 5.30 this morning, and I'm driving downtown, and I see five homeless men, and they're covered in blankets. And is my first instinct, human instinct, to run to them? No, it's not. But only by the grace of God can I begin to see what to do. And there's a part of me in that moment, and certainly in past moments, that I am internally disgusted by it. I have to reckon that with God. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with this moment? We minister to them, they minister to us. Absolutely. And here in the friendly confines of Northern California, Chico, California, there's been an explosion in homelessness. There's been an explosion in so many scenes that for all intents and purposes can be gospel narratives. Are we inserting ourselves, Debbie, into the gospel narrative? We, each and every day, here in Chico, have an opportunity to play out this narrative in a way that makes us saints. Are we doing it? I speak specifically to Chico, California, but I know we have listeners, just not locally in the diocese, but abroad, who come from areas that live in extreme poverty. And so the challenge is before all of us. Are we going to be moved with pity? Are we going to see someone's misery and run to them? And as you noted again, Pope Francis, this is the gift of his pontificate. There's no question about it. If you use any other hermeneutic or any other key to unlock this man's just not actions, but also thought, I'm going to tell you right now, you're missing the boat. To understand this man is to first understand the corporal works of mercy and poverty. Now, is this against the spiritual works of mercy and truth? As some people would have you think, no, 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 no. And let me say that five times over. No, he is a man of truth. And when you read his documents, you see that clearly. But his emphasis is on the poor. Why, Debbie? Because our Lord's emphasis was on the poor. Come on, let us read the Gospels. And when you read the Gospels, what you see time and time again is him going to the margins. We use these phrases, going to the margins, going to the sidelines, being ostracized. What does that really mean? Well, we're getting a close look at what that really means in this gospel narrative with this leper. We have no idea what our, our simple act of love mm. does for another human being. Mm. Amen. A touch, a smile, holding open a door. You know, we all hear stories about how those little simple gestures. I remember my mom gave me a bit of wisdom when I was raising my four teenagers. And she said, it is when you want to do it the least, when you want to strangle them, Mm -hmm. that they need a hug, a love, a kiss. And I got an opportunity with one of my children. He was so angry. Oh, he was so angry. And I went over and I grabbed him. He was big at the time. Mm-hmm. I grabbed him in a big bear hug. He tried wrestling loose, and I just kept holding on, and I felt him melt away. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he began to cry. Mm-hmm. Touch. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love. Not joined in the boat, screaming, yelling like I would often do, mm-hmm. but loving unconditionally until 
all the anger melts away. Loving touch. We underestimate the power of that. Amen, Debbie. You know, we were created from love for love. And apart from love, yes, you said it, we will be kicking and screaming. We were wired for God, and as such, we were wired for love. God's love. Not superficial love. Not false-like love. No. Love that is rooted in the cross. Love that is sacrificial. Moreover, we are shares in this love, huh? Second Peter 1, 4. We are called to participate in this love. What is that great line that comes to us from St. Thomas Aquinas? Our good acts, our acts full of charity, our God crowning his own gifts. Amen to that. Him going public, Debbie. Mm-hmm. I know we only have a few minutes left. If that, I want to talk about this briefly. What is evangelization? Evangelization is what the leper is doing right here. Absolutely. Before it is anything else. It is first and foremost sharing what God's love has done for you. What does the word Jesus mean? Yeshua, God saves. God saves us from what? From our sins. This is what he's telling the people about. Debbie, you were talking earlier, you know, there would have been rumors. Of course there would have been rumors. I mean, just think today, 2,000 years later, when when there's some sort of special prophet, it doesn't take much to, to get his name out there, and we want to find him, especially if he has the power of a charismatic gift of healing. We want to find him. All right, well... Our Lord, are you kidding me? He was hearing about him. But to hear about him and to then encounter him are two totally different things. Mm -hmm. And it was out not from hearing about him, but from encountering him that he went forth. Mm -hmm. Evangelizing the good news, which always, first and foremost, isn't about something, but about someone. Because Jesus is the good news. And this is what he was proclaiming proclaiming in that robust enthusiasm, in that robust fervor. Remember, enthusiasm and theos, to bear God within. Man, he had encountered that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was, we were talking earlier, publicly professing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was witnessing on behalf of the incarnation of truth and love. Amen. Amen. So with that, Debbie, we're pretty much out of time. I don't know if you had any... Uh, closing thoughts or any sound bites for us? Until we can see each other in pity and in mercy, we will continue to look at one another as lepers instead of brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen to that. Uh, just the other day, Debbie, I was talking about the passage where Christ says to us, be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, another translation has it, be merciful as my Father in heaven is merciful. Uh, as you speak to that, I cannot help but think uh, we need to gird ourselves with the goodness, the grace, and the mercy of God, so that if we wish to enter into God's perfection, God's love, we must be merciful. And so, yeah, you speak to it well. We, ne- we need to get beyond perception, and we need to enter into that absolute, unconditional love. Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.